because I've talked to our friend Alexis Michelle about that. Robert, you dropped something. That name. You better work. We have a co-host here today. It is my friend Ritzy Bits. Oh, hello everyone. So nice to meet you all. <laughs> Let's start with the easy stuff. We went to school together. Yes. We were never like in the same performing classes. No, because like I think you were with the people that had more talent and I was with the group where they're like, eh, we'll work on it. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> I have done research on you now as like a drag queen because I am nervous. <laughs> you call yourself a pop star meets like showgirl. Did that come from performing arts school or was that something that like you've always wanted? I have thought that about myself since I was like four. Ah, uh, good. <laughs> and I just, I didn't know how to express it until I discovered drag. Uh, until I discovered how good makeup looked on my face. And uh, then I was like, oh, okay, let's connect these dots here, shall we? You would come in and you'd be like, I just bought this new makeup set. And it, would it was like this giant like square with a whole bunch of different colors. And we were all like, what are you doing? Because you weren't doing drag. No, I, I actually refused for the longest time. I was like, I'm not a drag queen. What are you guys talking about? I moved here with heels, makeup, costumes, wigs. And I was like, no, <laughs> no guys. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> I, to be fair, I said the exact same thing about sucking dick and being gay. I was like, mm. <laughs> What is team blended? So in the LGBTQ plus community, drag is kind of like a sport. You have team brick, which is like the ugly girls, team uh. talent, self-explanatory. <laughs> okay. And then, I mean, there was team comedy, other things. And I felt that we're lacking something. Team blended for the girls who know how to put makeup on. Unfortunately, <laughs> that team is me and Laguna Blue. As of right now, there are many applications. I'm just, I told you, I am very busy. <laughs> and I can't go through them all. So it's just me and Laguna Blue right now. But um, How do you apply? How do people apply? I look at your Instagram sure. and I basically decide yes or no. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a really, really thorough process. It's like vetting. You don't sing, right? In your Not in drag, no. Gotcha. I feel very strongly about my illusion as a woman. Okay. Yeah, there's just something about a ten or two in drag <laughs> that looks like a woman, and you're just like, you're not really hitting those notes as high as you think you are, sweetheart. <laughs> this is, I'm not convinced. Now it's I'm like uncomfortable. It's like a situation. My boner is going away. So you recently tweeted that you almost killed people with your death drops? Every drag con, the Sunday of drag con, something crazy <clears throat> happens. Mm -hmm. The first one I went to, I, um... Backhand springed into a curtain and the curtain fell down. Oh. <laughs> um, it was great. The audience lived. I was embarrassed, but played it off. That was during the lip sync for your life. I clearly won. <laughs> then the following year, they had announced that DragCon was moving to New York City. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, God, we have to take a video right now. And I did my traditional backhand spring into a death drop and this guy from this free life gorgeous gorgeous man decided that oh no she's clearly only taking a picture let me get in the picture behind her and i almost decapitated him <laughs> but luckily he is like a dancer or something so he just sashayed away so ritzy bits is your drag name and it came yes. from schwa it did yes which is very interesting what happened okay so I walked into Superwoman late, and as you know, if you walk into a drag show late, you probably shouldn't walk right up to the front and sit there. <laughs> <laughs> However, 
I felt very comfortable there. And I was like, oh no, I'm gonna go sit in that booth right by the stage. I'm just gonna walk in. And she goes, look at you walking in late like a little Ritz Bits cracker. And I was like, wait a minute, there's uh -uh. something here. Let me change some of this so I don't get sued. And here we go, Ritzy Bits was born. It was beautiful. Schwadaviv, right? Yes. Schwadaviv is a legend. She bakes the best cookies, she gives the best head, and she's a terrific drag queen. She was in Mary Poppins on Broadway. As her? Yes, that's it. Who'd she play? I don't remember Mary these Poppins. things. Oh. Sure, yeah, she was Mary Poppins <laughs> on Broadway. In drag. Nobody knew. So you went to London Pride this year? Yes. Had you ever been to London before? No, that was How my was first that? time traveling outside of the country that wasn't like Canada. And you went with a whole bunch of people. Yeah. I. It wasn't just like I went with a bunch of people, I went with drag race girls. Yeah. And then some other local girls. Alexis Michelle, Acid Betty, Milk, Pearl, my good girlfriend, Britta Filter. Yeah, yeah! <laughs> If you if you know her and you know that laugh, Jeez. that's it. We did a whole 30-minute set, a 30-minute drag set in the middle of Pride. And I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with Fleur East, but she, we're going to call her our opening act. She went before us. It was great. Uh, it was <laughs> phenomenal. You know how I do with the flips and things, so the kids were enjoying themselves. How did this all come about? Vincent Cooper. Yes. I know Vincent. You know Vincent? Yeah. Yes, Vincent Cooper is, everybody knows fucking Vincent. You even know him. You might not know him, but your mother definitely does. And your grandma too. Girl. So Vincent Cooper and Impulse London put this together, and it was a fantastic event. We had this after party afterwards at the Hospital Club Hotel. It was wild. It was the most surreal experience that I've had in drag. Were you there for just that one day, or were you there through all of Pride? We were there for four days. We oh. got there Friday. Britta had a gig. We performed Saturday, and then we had the party after, and then we had Black Pride that Britta and I performed at on Sunday. And then on Monday, we packed up our shit and left. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, girl, it was crazy. It was the wildest thing. And they booked us, they booked a last minute Airbnb because ours canceled on us. We're at the airport and our Airbnb canceled. And Vincent, God love him, on accident booked a five story <laughs> mansion <laughs> through Airbnb. For four days. For four days. We rolled up at this bitch and we were like, what the? Okay. I mean, I wasn't going to complain. It was their first time ever renting to Airbnb. They'll probably never do it again. <laughs> well, on that note, yeah, <laughs> we will be right back with some more things about drag. With a brief history of drag. Oh my god, Jay, I was listening to our episodes and they sound so much more high quality than season one. What happened? Well, thanks to our Patreon subscribers, we were able to get a new microphone and a new recording space. Oh my gosh. It's like Patreon subscribers help the podcast? It's exactly like that. And you know what? We help them in return. What do we do? Well, for only $1 a month, we give them a whole extra bonus episode. I definitely have $1 a month. Sometimes I even have five extra dollars a month. What could I do with $5 to benefit the podcast? Well, if you become a subscriber at our $5 level, you'll get a video every month where you'll get to see our hot faces. What? <laughs> Thanks, Anna. I need that content in my life. Go to patreon.com slash one more thing. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash O-N-E-M-O-R-E-T-H-I-N-G. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Robert has done some research on a brief history of drag, and he's put together sort of a little drag 101 situation. So Robert, how did drag originate? 
Well, Jay, <laughs> I imagine myself like cracking open a textbook. Sure. Covered in Cody powder. <laughs> so we can go like all the way back to ancient Greece. I don't want to. We're gonna skip to like Shakespearean England and men and women in like the, you know, the 60s, the 1660s. There were a lot of restrictions on the stage as to women being on stage in, let's just call it Shakespeare plays, and men playing women's roles. There was a lot of stuff like that, which I mean, we all know. This is- We've all seen Shakespeare. Yeah, this isn't news. <laughs> Until King Charles II lifted the gender rule and then women were allowed to play women on stage. Revolutionary, really. It, weirdly enough, became like really popular for women to play men on stage. So you have not only like what we would know as drag queens on stage, but like uh, the beginning of like drag kings mm -hmm. on stage. And it was called Breacher Rolls. Breacher? Breaches Rolls. Breaches Rolls, which got changed to Trouser Rolls. Correct. Which, what is that? Trouser Rolls are mostly in opera today. And it's when women will play men's roles. For example, in like The Marriage of Figaro, that's sort of like a classic what? <laughs> I'm just rolling her eyes at me. <laughs> it's still written in the range for a woman to sing it, but it's a male role and they'll like wear trousers. So is this like Peter Pan? When like you go see Mary Martin as Peter Pan? I mean, yeah, Like a kind role of. that's like vocally written for a woman? Yeah. But it's a like male role? Yeah, but like it's less of that because Peter Pan is sort of like post-gender. It, oh, Drew. It's, oh, it's like Drew. Yeah, Drew okay. is a trouser role. Okay. Yeah. So then this kind of like took a turn for what we would now say is the worst, where men started portraying women on the stage in a funny way. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Where instead of being more of like an illusion, it was more really over the top and kind of dramatic for a laugh. And yeah. it transitioned into pantomime, which is now a whole separate thing <laughs> that we're yeah. not gonna talk about. But that kind of started pantomime, which kind of led itself into vaudeville, which I got a whole bunch of notes from you about Gypsy. <laughs> if you've ever seen Gypsy, you know what vaudeville is. <laughs> I did write a lot of notes about Gypsy in that section. So it, if you've ever seen Gypsy, <laughs> Vaudeville is the first 20 minutes of Gypsy. Okay, next. Extra, extra, hey look at the headline, historical news is being made. Extra, extra, they're drawing a red line around the biggest scoop of the decay. A barrel of charm, a fabulous thrill, the biggest little headline in vaudeville. Presenting in person that three foot but it was this like space where men could dress like women and do these shows in very safe, like family friendly environments because vaudeville was huge and you would go see like a vaudeville show and there would be maybe like 13 acts in the one show. But it was still along the lines of men making fun of women. Mm -hmm. We were still like a little pre going back to being illusionists. Yeah. And then, you know, in the 1900s, well, 1900s was when homophobia like started to become a thing. <laughs> Gay men started to get connected to being in drag and that's when everything took a turn for the worst. So in 1965, the Imperial Court System was founded. It's the first drag queen organization. It was a resource inside the broader gay community, which was sort of starting to form in the early 60s. The IC, it, ICS, right? They go by ICS. Yeah. They started drag balls, which we've talked about. Why did they exist? Were they just sort of like a like a networking system? This was a little before LGBTQ centers and got stuff it. like that. So it was kind of a place that people could go to and like revert to when things got a little messy. Okay, if, that makes if sense. That makes, yeah. yeah. So it was sort of like a pre-Trevor Project thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it wasn't really running anything, 
it just like really helped with people find the, each other. Yeah. yeah, it was a great place for resources. And That's stuff great. Like that. It still exists today in the United States and Canada and Mexico, so three countries. And now there's sort of more a philanthropic organization, and they support HIV and AIDS prevention and research, which we think is great. And there were like 500 regularly performing drag queens in New York City. This was like right around the same time as Jim Bailey came into play, mm-hmm. who I think is very interesting, but I also don't understand. I, I want to know what your take on it is. Jim Bailey was a celebrity illusionist. Is that what we want to say? Sure. Who became really famous by impersonating Judy Garland like really, really well. Mm-hmm. He was on TV and he has a lot of performances of Over the Rainbow and like a lot of like Judy's big songs, but he got really mad because people started lumping him in with drag queens and he was like, that's not what I am. I'm a female illusionist. Well, that's sort of, Jim Bailey is sort of a similar figure to Divine. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Divine, you know who Divine is. Everyone, we all know who Divine is, but if the audience doesn't. Divine was a performer who worked really closely with John Waters, who is a filmmaker, who is my favorite filmmaker, (laughs) who made a lot of, his most sort of famously mainstream movie is Hairspray, which inspired the Broadway musical and then the musical film and then the live television event. And so John Waters sort of was making trash movies and he and Divine were sort of early figures in bringing drag and female impersonation into the mainstream. So Divine was in most of John Waters' movies. They were like really close collaborators. And what's interesting about Divine in conversation with Jim Bailey is that Divine, even in drag, would use he, him pronouns. And the characters, like in Pink Flamingos, for example, Divine's character's name is still Divine, but the character uses she, her, but the actor uses he, him, which is very interesting. And Hmm. Divine sort of classically would say like, it's a job, drag is a job, drag is not who I am. And he would not appear in drag outside of performance settings. He would just sort of like walk around in like boy clothes all the time. And he was like very well known for being like a gay man and he was not ashamed of his sexuality, but he, if anyone tried to like refer to him with she, her pronouns or like call him a drag queen, he would be like, no, that's my job. I do drag when I act, but I am a man. So for me personally, when I go out in drag, I am in drag and I will stay in drag until my bitch ass gets home. That's for me. That's my own personal thing. It's the experience of it for me. You are meeting this character that I have created and that's how you will know her. I I understand that. I get that. And I have met a bunch of drag queens who are like, as soon as the gig is over, I want this off, take this off of me. I do this because it's a job. There's an aspect to that that to me is kind of like, oh, but do you love it that much? Like, because for me, I love being in drag. I don't want to be in drag all the time. But when I have to be in drag, I love it. I don't want to stay in drag. I don't particularly like, like, I wouldn't go to the grocery store in drag. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't, like, just go out for fun in drag unless I was going to a big event that my friends were having Mm -hmm. where it was 
more to my benefit to be in drag. But yeah, uh, I understand that. He was very depressed because he was trying to parlay this divine character into an acting career as a man. Before it was just always this fat transvestite with a big candy floss wig that couldn't see beyond the paint and the exterior. He really wanted to be known as a character actor. It was really important to him. So Divine and John Waters were sort of the beginning of bringing drag into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Check out this segue. And then that continued with, uh -huh. with RuPaul. Really quick, when was your first introduction to drag? My mom saw Priscilla Queen of the Desert in theaters when I was in utero. Um, and so that was it. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom said that I was dancing along and she said uh -huh. she knew exactly what my personality would be. Isn't that such a me story? <laughs> and it also explains a lot. I'm sure my first experience was similar to, not exactly that, um, <laughs> was my first introduction to like actual drag queens and seeing like mm -hmm. what became what we have now was I saw Mimi I'm First at the only gay club in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. She picked me up, made out with me, sat me back down, and I was terrified. I was like, I don't like this. Drag queens are terrifying, and they're mean, and oh, why do they have to look like that? What was yours, Robert? Check out the segue, watching Tu Wong Fu with RuPaul. Oh, and we, gotta, <laughs> we can bring RuPaul into anything. <laughs> RuPaul started bringing drag into the mainstream in the 90s with the single Supermodel of the World and never stopped. And then RuPaul really like firmly cemented drag's place in the mainstream, in, check out this segue, 2009, when RuPaul's Drag Race premiered on Logo. Drag Race. I watched the first few seasons and then I honestly just don't have the attention span for it because it's an hour long show and I can't watch hour long shows because I fall asleep. So I haven't watched it. <laughs> Ritzy's crying. Well what's funny is if, you, if you've ever watched a movie with me, at about an hour is when I start to pass out during yeah, the movie so I totally so get true. you. An hour is such a long time to like sit down. I know and then like if it's, if you're not really that fascinated by what's going yeah. on you're just sitting there and your brain starts and then there are commercials uh -huh. and so I'm not paying attention like, oh this pillow is soft and then all of a sudden yeah exactly anyway so I don't really watch Drag Race but I do get recaps of Drag Race every week from Robert yep. <laughs> moment for moment recaps so I always know what's going on <laughs> That's all you need to know, really. But I also, much like in any situation, I don't know anyone's name. So I'll say, how's the one with the hair from the challenge with like the pink dress doing? And he'll be like, oh, she's doing great. She's in third place. <laughs> 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 but so Drag Race started airing in 2009 mm -hmm. on Logo. And it has been like picking up traction in the mainstream ever since. And it moved this year? Yeah, this to was VH1. the first season on VH1. Yeah. I hadn't watched it until, I'm gonna say season three. Like my first season watching it was the one with Jujubee and Raven. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Because it was like really campy and it was like really foggy to look at because there was that like yeah. shellacked filter on everything. God, it was so long. <laughs> and I was like, you know. I don't <laughs> super understand it. And when you look at like what it was, in 2009 to what it is now in 2017, it's almost a different show. That still kind of follows the same structure. It's, yeah. it's a completely different show. Drag has changed drastically, especially yeah. as per what is required from you to be on that show. Uh, well, that's a really good segue into uh, <laughs> how does mainstream success uh, impact the drag scene? You're welcome. In New York. <laughs> so I like, read the notes, I told you. <laughs> 
What do you think are the biggest changes that have happened because and since Drag Race? Well, the perfect comparison would be comparing season two. It's kind of basic compared to what these girls are bringing now, but that's because it's gotten so big. You Mm -hmm. can't just show up with three shake and goes and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could. (laughs) You're gonna go home very shortly. (laughs) Now to be on Drag Race, you need to like be able to do so many more talents. In my, okay, in my opinion, in order to be on Drag Race, you need to know your makeup. You need to have hair that isn't coming out of a bag. You need to have costumes that you can't find anywhere else. You need to be able to act. You need to be able to dance. You need to be able to sing. The biggest requirement to be on Drag Race, you need to be able to be flexible. You need to be able to sit there and say, you know what, I don't do this regularly, but there are all these cameras here and this is my chance. I'm gonna do this. And mm, some of these girls don't have that. Do you think that that evolution of Drag Race has impacted the way that people who aren't on Drag Race perform? Absolutely. I could honestly talk about this for hours. Some of the Drag Race girls are very good at certain aspects of drag that aren't performing. And for some reason, Mm -hmm. everyone feels that drag queens need to be performers. You don't need to be a performer to be a fantastic drag queen. It helps. You can do more. Mm -hmm. Some of these girls are look queens. Some of these girls, like Kimchi. Kimchi is a perfect example. She just isn't a performer. However, what she does is incredible. So we have girls who now, I hope, are realizing they don't have to be a performer, just a personality. Be art. Drag is definitely art. I think that's what the A stands for. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what do the other letters stand for? It's, no, I, I can't think about this off the top of my head. Maybe one day I'll sit here and I'll make an acronym for drag that is funny and makes sense. <laughs> just, we'll keep the A at art. What would the G be? The G would... Mm, why is there no M for money? Drag them. <laughs> there we go. Starting now. Hashtag drag them. <laughs> there you go. See? New York City is the city for drag because we have performers from all over the world with all sorts of talents and backgrounds and things. With Drag Race becoming so popular, so many people are realizing how much fun you can have doing drag. And so many people are starting to do drag just for the fun of it. And it's creating this weird divide between people who like just doing drag and people who are like, no, I'm, I'm a professional drag entertainer. That's kind of what Drag Race has brought us to. And that's why, especially in the city, we have so many issues with like girls performing for free and when they should be getting paid and undermining girls who deserve oh. to get paid. Oh yeah, girl. It's a, it, it's all thing. Cause there's no union for drag. The audition for Drag Race is very interesting. You should learn a lot about yourself. I did, at least. It's Um, not like you get dressed up in drag and you show up somewhere and you bring a boombox with you and you go, hit it, and you do a number. (laughs) That would certainly certainly have eliminated some of the girls that have been on the show. It's, you make a video and I mean, you edit your podcast, you know how easy it is to, with Mm -hmm. editing, you can do a lot of things. And I've seen some of these girls' videos, some that have gotten up on the show and some that have. I watch Aja's video, it's a work of art. Hmm. It is incredible and it showcases the best of her, which it should. My first video showcased the best of what I had to offer at that point in time in my drag. Watching that video, 
I was definitely not going to get on Drag Race. They could have cast me and been like, she'll go home. Then I would have lip synced for my life. And then I'm like, God damn, now we got to keep her another episode. <laughs> my video this past year for season 10, I loved it. I had a great time making it. I learned a lot from my previous experience. And over a year, I thought about it. Every time I would get into drag, every single day for a year, I was like, I hated that video. It was terrible. How do I make it better? How do I showcase myself? What aspects of myself should I showcase? And I just grew and blossomed. And I, one of my good, good friends was very disappointed when they did not get cast because she felt that this was the best that she will ever have to offer. And I didn't say this to her, so I don't care. She won't listen to this anyway. She should subscribe on iTunes. She should, <laughs> but she won't because she's that bitch. Anyways, now with, with my luck, she'll listen to this. Keep this. <laughs> if you have that attitude of this is the best I will ever be, I'll never be greater than this in this moment. Then you're not going to be. Of course. You're going to continue to be the exact same person that you are. And... For some people, that's great. But I mean, I strive to be bigger and better. And I have a lot of people that have sat there and been like, oh God, why aren't you on yet? You would be great. And I'm like, I can actually probably tell you exactly why I'm not on yet. My snatch game's not that great. And some of my runways are like, girl, where'd you get that? Who, who's your snatch game? Okay, well, my new one that I'm working on is Cardi B. I, <laughs> I refused for the longest time. I was like, I'm not sure. And then my boyfriend showed me videos of her. I was like, absolutely. I was like, this this bitch is everything. I was like, I'm gonna mumble a lot, but it's great. <laughs> it's true. Anna oh, and I goodness. love Cardi B. You're like a prettier version of her. Um, <laughs> I... Anna's crying. <laughs> great, we can keep going. And then my other one is Janice Dickinson. Mostly because I was like, <laughs> for, for me personally, if all I have to do is draw some stretch marks on my boobs, <laughs> And then be rude to everybody. It's just a typical day in my life. And then I did Carrie Bradshaw, which is a terrible choice. And then Shangela. Something that I've noticed recently is, stay with me because you're going to be annoyed at first. Okay. But I watch a lot of white teenagers on YouTube, like straight white teenagers who have never met anyone who wasn't a straight white teenager. I love them. I think they're wild. They live in like such tiny boxes and it's incredible. Something that I think is wild is that drag terms are starting to infiltrate like mm -hmm. straight white teenager vocabulary and they have no idea where it came from. Like all the straight white teenager vloggers call each other hunty and call their fans hunty and they'll be calling like these 12 year old white girl fans hunty and they'll be like telling each other to slay and I'm like, you are from Nebraska. And you're like, <laughs> you're like 19. This part slays. Slay queen. Yes, hunty. <laughs> what is hunty? I always hear it. Someone tweeted at us. Definition of hunty. An amagal made of honey and cunty. Oh. Hunty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be jealous because my hair is laid, hunty. <laughs> I'm going to use that exact quote I've been done. Yeah. Hashtag honey, hashtag cunty, hashtag biatch. Hashtag miss, hashtag baby doll. Those are all very different words though. <laughs> Country, baby doll. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hashtag too old for these terms. I will say it is definitely out of control. <laughs> it's, it's not just the straight white people. I mean, that's irritating enough. Like even in our own community, people just say these words without any recognition of where they came from and who started that. And like, I see girls that are sitting there like, yes, mama, I am so fierce. I'm slaying the game. And, Sweetheart, you're wearing a hard front. 
You look like a foot. <laughs> you are at the fucking Jacob Javits Center in industrial lighting. <laughs> On overhead. Please go over to the Alexis Michelle booth or any of the Drag Race Girls booth. Get yourself in front of a ring light. Take one... Not even a selfie. Have somebody take a nice, respectful photograph so you can go home and look at yourself. <laughs> the infiltration into the other cultures where people... It's its ignorance. It's... I heard somebody say this and, like, I love their makeup on YouTube, so I'm gonna say it too. But they don't... Be, and I think it's part of the YouTube culture that people just don't think, let me research that. Yeah. My favorite is that they have all the technology, but you've got to crawl into my DMs to ask me how to do something that you could have Googled on your own. One Adriana Trenta <laughs> will always ask me shit. I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do that? It's like, sweetheart, why do you think I know? I only know because I watched this tutorial of this person that I am friends with because I watched the tutorial and talked to them and asked them questions. Why don't you do the same fucking thing? They don't have that drive, that initiative. Just tell me the answer. Tell me. I don't want to do anything for myself. I, like, sometimes I'll find something out. I was like, oh, I probably should have known that. I'm over here playing dress up with the kids and walking around collecting dollar bills and thinking I'm fierce. And even sometimes I don't know what's going on or what had gone on mm -hmm. that I should be aware of. I, I think that learning about what happened in the past will help you prevent problems in the future. <laughs> From all of us here. <laughs> yeah. Where do you think the line with that is then? Between doing the research to better yourself as a performer and then like seeking help in the community. It's really a level of pride because I, I for a fact, I am definitely the person that will sit there and be like, no, I got this. Mm -hmm. I totally, I know what I'm doing. No, I don't, not always. Sometimes I have a good idea of what I'm doing, but I won't ask for help when I need it unless I know for certain something's out of my comfort zone. Some people are very comfortable asking for help when they actually are kind of capable on their own. But I think you just have to know yourself and trust, especially if someone's over your shoulder going, do you need help with that? Mm -hmm. Can I help you? Mm -hmm. They probably know something that they could help you with. So with that, we're going to take another little break. Yep. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about social issues. <laughs> I love this podcast so much. I wish that I could engage with it more fully beyond just listening every Monday and Friday. You can go to tinyletter.com slash one more thing and subscribe to our newsletter that comes out every Wednesday. Oh my God, that's amazing. I love newsletters. Yeah. You can also go to Instagram and subscribe to us at one more thing. And you can do the same thing on Twitter. Yeah. You know what is another app that I use all the time? What? Facebook. Facebook. One more thing podcast. That's amazing. You can also That's post so statuses and your activity can be that you're listening to one more thing podcast and you can tell us what you think about the episode. What if I want to find a more public way to tell you what I think about the episode? In the podcast app, you can go to our page and hit rate and review and tell us what you think about this episode. But Robert, what if there's something I want you to talk about? You can email us at the number one more thing podcast at gmail.com. Oh know, my God. Email is the new texting. It really is. We get emails all the time. Anna yeah. shifts through them. Sips. Sips. Anna sips. Anna sips through them. Going back to DragCon, there were a lot of like cis women in face with a wig, like in drag costumes, I guess you could say. As in not bio queens. 
I hate that term. It's just a drag queen. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, in my opinion. However, are you talking about like just straight women who were yeah, in, yeah. like one time? I yeah. I loved that. I lived for every person who was there with just a pair of heels on. Anyone who was just wearing sequins or something glittery. The magic of DragCon is that everyone can belong. Mm -hmm. Everyone's invited to the party. Everybody can dress up. People are gonna judge you because people are rude like that. But you shouldn't be judged. You should let your freak flag fly and just do it. Do you live your life? It's interesting because it hasn't been that way as much at the past two drag cons I went to. <laughs> but then again, this is New York City. You know, there's sort of the conversation that has become prevalent in. I think it's sort of really taken off as drag has sort of entered the mainstream. People are writing articles all the goddamn time and like there's sort of two camps of straight women thinking about drag which is one camp sort of is like I feel like a little bit sort of like tokenizing drag queens in this TV show Playing House uh, which is about two straight white women who are best friends the most recent season finale was they like their car broke down and they came across like a drag show with a bunch of queens from Paul's Drag Race I don't remember I think it I sent you pictures of them and you were like, it's these people and I don't remember. The drag queens basically like helped them find their best selves and like sent them off into the world but like weren't characters of their own. Who's gonna do Proud Mary? Not us if oh, not no, 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 no. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. I don't have the body for it. No, 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 We'll no, do no. it. We'll do Proud Mary. What are you talking about? We're not drag queens. We're just like one set of false eyelashes away from it. Wait, do you guys really think you can do this? Well, I mean, I don't know. We never ever do nothing nice. And easy. <laughs> we always do it nice and rough. <laughs> <laughs> feels like something that is like sort of common among straight women but then the other thing is many straight women believing that drag is inherently misogynistic that listeners that got a big eye roll <laughs> <laughs> and i just want to say like robert and i neither of us has any practical experience yeah in drag so we figured you would be better to speak to this I, as someone who has a lot of experience i completely see where people can feel that there's misogyny in drag. There are definitely moments where there are. There are women who also do drag. I know several girls who do drag and they're fantastic. They have every right to be here and sometimes they are made to feel differently. And I think that that's wrong. I think that that's terrible. Drag to me is a safe place, an environment where everyone who has ever been made to feel different, outcast, or whatever can be comfortable. You are home, you are here, we are all family, let's have fun together, forget all of our troubles. That to me is the function of a drag queen. Putting people down because of what's between their legs is disgusting. I've seen it, I've heard about it, and I won't stand for it. And that is where the drag is misogynistic. For me personally, I love women. I have always loved women. I have idolized women since I watched The Wizard of Oz. And for me, when I do drag, I transform myself into my vision of the, the ultimate woman, which I guess you could say is misogynistic in a way because women come in all shapes and forms. And for me, that's a skinny, big boobed, nice ass, toned legs, tan, just, disgustingly gorgeous like you kind of want to kill yourself a little bit and like that's that's my vision but that's like my personal thing but as far as straight women in the gay atmosphere I feel like it's more just knowing that this is 
not your home, but you are welcome here as well. Play by the rules, be respectful. I think where it gets messy is some people, specific individuals, not a group of people, specific people can't handle being around the nightlife experience of drugs and alcohol and things get out of control and then people start to blame a whole group of people for one person's accidental drunken mistakes. We all get drunk and make mistakes if we drink. It happens. It's a part of the human experience. I don't know where I'm going with this. But it was yeah, way it, more eloquent than, than either that. Robert or me. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it just, it bothers me when people are like, don't bring straight women to my bar. Y'all don't want to get paid? Y'all don't want to make money? That's the point of a drag queen. People forget that. I forget that sometimes. But, oh, Tuesday at my show, the audience decided it was over before it was supposed to be over. I was in the middle of a number. People got up and started dancing. And I was like, on stage, mind you. And I just stopped what I was doing. And I ran to the DJ booth. I was like, cut the music, just play something. They just want to dance. And I just set my ego aside. I'm Mitzi Bits. I'm a performer. This is my show here. No, you guys, you guys are <laughs> paying my bills. You guys want to dance? You can dance. People forget that. Because nightlife, you get famous. You get booked everywhere. Everyone wants you. You're in demand. It's the egos to people. It's not cute. Shade comes from reading. Reading came first. Reading is the real art form of insult. A developed form where it became shade. Shade is, I don't tell you you're ugly, but I don't have to tell you because you know you're ugly. And that's shade. So, Robert, what time is it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is time for one more thing. So Anna's gonna give us a drag race challenge. We're gonna have zero seconds to come up with what we would do for the challenge. I'm gonna say Ritzy goes last. Sure, that seems fair. Yeah. What would you wear if you had to put an outfit together to your worst ex's funeral? <laughs> Whoa, Anna. Okay. Oh yeah. I like this one. Is it like specific to our like specific worst ex or is it in general? To your specific worst ex, I think. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, oh girl, cause think about oh, it. Oh, Cause you don't watch the show. So you don't watch the show. So what would happen is if this is the runway challenge, we would be walking down the runway and there would be like a voiceover oh, or something. Oh, we would explain. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. we would have the opportunity to explain <laughs> okay. what we're doing. Okay. This is yeah. risky, okay? <laughs> risky with Ritzy. Oh God. Yes, you saved my next show, thank you. <laughs> I got it, do you? You go first, because I have to figure out what I can say. Cause Mine would be like head to toe Victorian black. <laughs> like With a veil? Like huge shoulders or like a really small waistline and then like big hips with a full veil that comes off with like a huge hat and like a parasol that's like really gothic looking with like a really sharp dome and then the like, you can't tell right now, but I'm making like the edges of the umbrella in the air. <laughs> like I wouldn't have to do face because you wouldn't be able to see it. Like it would, it would be like very beekeeper. <laughs> so like Mark Rylance at the beginning of Twelfth Night? Yes. Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> How okay. about you? Okay, so mine would be specific to, I'll just give uh, the tiniest little bit of backstory to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll just hope that she no longer listens to the podcast. I had 
a relationship for several months that was a secret with a woman who still to this day identifies as straight and has never told anyone that we uh, dated. So if she were to die, <laughs> I would show up and I would like, probably what I would do is I would make a dress, like an enormous, I would first of all I would wear a dress where everyone would be shocked and would be looking because they'd be, they, they would never have seen me in a dress before. And it would be a dress made out of all the nudes and all the sex uh, she had <laughs> ever sent me. <laughs> head to toe. I hope you know I'm stealing that, and that's gonna be when I enter Dragon's office. I'm just gonna wear, I'm wearing all of the dicks of the men I've fucked. Yes, <laughs> it would be amazing, and it would be like, and they would all have like timestamps, and like I would go Shares back notes. through our messages and delete her name from my phone so that it had her phone number, <laughs> so that it, I could prove that it was her. That is the pettiest outfit. And then like right the centerpiece, like like my entire torso would just be like a nude of her. Oh my god. I'm gonna have to delete some of that, but. And with that. Ritzy? Um, so now that I've been body painted, I would wear just body paint and it would just say, you cheated on this. <laughs> for the show, I would live to see that. That is a great runway challenge. <laughs> and by could you work for the show, I mean work in the casting office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get a friend in there for a minute. Sure, 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 sure. Well, with that, thank you for coming. Thank you, uh, Mr. Howard. Thing. <laughs> Obviously, open invitation if you ever want to come back. We would love to have you. Our official friend of the podcast. Great. Yay. Where can you see your show? You can see me every Tuesday night at Vodka Soda Bottoms Up at 10.30 p.m. with Spotlight. Ooh, ah. And then you can also see me for the next three weeks, hopefully, at New World Stages for Paige Turner's So You Think You Can Drag All Stars Edition every Thursday at New World Stages. It's a good time. I'm about to kick these bitches' asses. And then, if that's not enough, you can come get brunch with me every Sunday at La Pulperia on 46th and 9th. Go to the Ritz, make bad decisions, stumble over next door. We'll see you in the morning. <laughs> you had that ready to go. That was very impressive. <laughs> My social media is Ms. Ritzy Bits. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Venmo. And that's Ms. like MS Ritzy Bits. <laughs> I was also upset somebody has ritzy bits and they don't even use it. Then oh, that's obnoxious. I that. And I emailed Instagram several many times and they were like, we're not going to do anything about it. You're going to get on Drag Race oh. and they're going to be like, we're so sorry. And they're going to give it to <laughs> oh, you. Oh, I know. I'm going to be like. Well, now I don't fucking want it. <laughs> now I changed my name. Now my name is A Vagina. Oh. oh. Real quick, to finish off this episode, thank you to Sarah Kleist for our microphone. Thank you to Stephanie Hawkins for our pictures. Thank you to 440 Studios for letting us record here. Thank you to Ana Verde, our producer. Thank, thank you, you to our Patreon subscribers. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Some other stuff happened too. Uh, oh, we're in 1965 now, I see. No, we're in 2017 now. Oh, do we want to skip over the interview? No, I'm kidding. Oh, uh, because God, I hate you. <laughs> um, Tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs>